Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Yankees have tied it up in the ninth. Kiner Falefa was able to knock in Aaron Hicks. There we they go. Did, they did pinch hit Giancarlo Stan in the ninth inning, but because it was after the fourth inning, he grounded to short. IKF, baby. So the Yankees tie it up in the ninth. Still hitting, by the way. Two outs. 2-2. Two, two. All right, let's get to our play-by-play call of the day. Seventy-two hours ago, I was in his office in Boston. And I had not spoken for, well, it was a month. He did surgery on me the first time on my vocal cords back in, oh, God, That was back in February 15th. Then he did surgery again on June 15th. Incredible. And it's only a month ago. And it takes six to eight weeks to heal. And he told me that office, and he called the president up as well. He said, I'm going to clear him to speak at the ESPYs as long as he follows my instruction. But he needs a few more weeks yet of healing process. I had what's called precancerous dysplasia all over my vocal cords. I love you, buddy, and I thank you so much for making this happen for me today. Um, You probably have not met Dick Vitale. Um, I've met him a few times, and look, he doesn't know me from the wall, I mean, but um, he is the same off the air as he is on the air. Anytime I've talked to him, I actually had him on the show a long time ago. Um, and he's a good guy. He's just a good guy. He's passionate. He loves what he does. He loves the game. He loves people. Uh, he just loves people. And I'm thrilled to hear him speak again because it's uh, it's just it's just great. And again, he's a guy. He loves people, and he is off the air. He is the same as he is on the air great, positive, vivacious personality, so happy for him. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com, for Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory, with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, and a great service department. It takes care of routine, like oil changes, and also inspections, and diagnostics, they handle it all. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. You were going to say something, I believe. We have breaking news. Kraft Heinz is back with the Steelers. And the Heinz Red Zone is back. They reached a five-year deal between the Steelers and Kraft Heinz to keep Heinz as a corporate partner. The Heinz Red Zone is returning and the ketchup bottles could also be returning after they were just removed from the stadium a couple of days ago. So there you go. 
all seems to be somewhat right in the world again with with Steeler fans. Trying to fight back the emotion. All right. Uh, <laughs> with that, we turn our attention to Neil Kuang. Sir, always a pleasure. Great to have you with us. Uh, well, one week to Latrobe. One week to Latrobe. So, uh, I want to actually start with the world famous Deshaun Watson. Uh, this is not a Roger Goodell decision uh, in the end. What do you think, after reading everything, the NFL is, might do with him for the upcoming season? <clears throat> Let's see. Um, I enjoy this. I point out to people I, I feel like I've earned an honorary graduate degree in law. Yes. Going over all of the ins and outs of the NFL. It's, it's, it's really interesting in a lot of different ways, but maddeningly frustrating because in all honesty, the way that I read it, and I, I am not an expert by any stretch, I think Sue Robinson is probably going to see more splitting in half of what I, what each side is requesting. And there's a reason for that. We have to keep in mind here, from a, uh, uh, from a bargaining perspective, the collective bargaining agreement is the, the document they go off of. It is yes. not a court of law. That's right. Okay? That's right. Judges don't want to have to step in to settle disputes between two people who have already signed an agreement covering these things. Okay, now Sue Robinson is not a judge. She's she's she was she's appointed to this position to solve these disputes within the CBA. Now, what it comes down to is the burden of evidence and how that is described in the the, the CBA of what the NFL requires in order to, to issue a, a suspension. Mm-hmm. You might remember in the whole Deflate Gate fiasco as much fun as that was one of the big things that roger goodell really hammered on was uh they felt they had a higher uh uh, standard of evidence to impose the suspension that they did for him to have said that it, it sort of suggests this is what we look for when we issue a suspension now in the cba it says something different. They don't necessarily need um, as much, according to them. It, one, it, they they kind of conflicted themselves in, in Deflategate because they also uh, had mentioned it, it's more believable than not that this happened. I always love I always, I always love that. It's more believable than not, which means they don't know. <laughs> which it, it's it's absolutely not you know rock hard evidence. You know, we we get that, and that's the NFL makes no. You know, they're not trying to to. They don't want to be uh, in a position where they're considered legal. You know that that's not where they want to be because they'll end up in this situation. And right now, what they have is this at best this lowest level of evidence to suggest it, and that's through their own investigation, which is bolstered by the fact that two different grand juries failed to indict. Deshaun Watson for the things that he is accused of. That is right. So he is not in any kind of criminal trouble. 
that lack of evidence uh, is not clearly spelled out in the CBA, but it's, it, I don't want to call it wishy-washy, but Goodell used the higher standard in a previous matter in which they, they issued a suspension that was appealed. In this case, they have less evidence than what they had then. Mm-hmm. Or this is one interpretation that Robinson can have. Uh, also, keep in mind, the league wants a year-long suspension. The union, which is representing Union and Watson, I'm just going to call it the union, they're, they're representing Watson. Mm-hmm. They don't want any suspension. That's they, right. They're, they're disputing anything. They're, they're, so, they're saying on the legal side of it, there was no indictment, and because of that, he should not be suspended. Yeah. And if you look at it based on the CBA, not our opinion, not court of law, there, are, there isn't a strong ground on which that Robinson can say the NFL is right. A year is appropriate. That's what it comes down to. Robinson has the ability to say yay or nay and propose what the suspension should be. The NFL is then able to appeal and kind of give whatever they want to give. But the issue with that is it, it's, it, if you're picking nothing or a year, the evidence suggests more nothing than a year. So it, it, you really can't use a year as, as a, a, a final verdict. My, I, I don't think anyway. I don't think Robinson's going to see a year. I think there is enough to suggest, based on the CBA's language, past precedent, everything else that's come with it, they have enough to say something like eight to ten games. I'd, I'd go on the record as saying, I, if I were betting and as disgusting as it is to bet on something like mm-hmm, this, right. I think eight to ten games is probably where I, it's going to I, land. I agree with you. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be eight to ten games, and they're going to do it as a way of saying, see, we did something. I think, if, if anything, the NFL, you got to keep in mind, they want – kind of what the, the fans would want. I don't think the NFL collectively, certainly the owners, are very happy with the Cleveland Browns as far as the, the precedent that they set to give out that big of a contract to a player who's facing, at, at best, a, a questionable 2022 season to create all of this. They, the, the NFL has to go for a year. They would look terrible if they didn't. I don't necessarily think they think they can get away with a year. And I don't think Robinson sees that either. So the NFL is left with the unenviable position of either up front not asking for a very severe punishment, which the the fan base of the NFL is going to riot if that's the case, or having Robinson be the bad person in the situation and reduce what they want, and then override her, which is only going to create animosity with right. her as well as the union. Right. Why, why, did you NFL, bring, why did you bring me here? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What, what am I doing here? You know, I gave you my reason. You just don't accept that at all. And yes, it is collectively bargained that that's what you want to do. But at the same time, this is the biggest situation in which um, you had disputes, and I was brought in to handle this. You failed to make your point as well as the situation merited. And according to me, you're wrong, but you're telling me that I'm wrong. So, okay. It just it seems to set kind of a bad precedent. But keep this in mind. This is going to be critically important. 
Dan Snyder has gotten himself in a little <laughs> bit of trouble. A little. That's that's a slight problem when when you are when one of the owners is going back and forth arguing with Congress over whether or not he should testify. Yeah, you're you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay, that that's a bad look to put it mildly. Yeah, and on top of that, there were thousands upon thousands of emails tied to Snyder and the circus operation that he's running over there mm-hmm. that were coming out, and the NFL, right, wrong, or or not, decided. John Gruden is the one that they want to pin all this on. That's a separate lawsuit, okay? Right. So Snyder, who probably has dirt on every owner, is whether or they get to a point where they have to force him to sell, that's going to be bad for everybody. Right. Not a good situation. And it, a lot of that control is out of their hands. Congress may tell them they have to. Right. You know, I, I, it, from what I understand, it, it's not necessarily going to come to that, but no. they're in trouble, and they they find them ten million dollars. I don't think this the current political climate climate is going to appreciate that uh, as much as Goodell thinks that they will. We'll find out what happens, but that's another war on another front. Gruden wrote a bunch of nasty stuff that he shouldn't have in an email to somebody who worked within the Washington organization mm-hmm. at that point. Right. Gruden wasn't even an NFL employee. And if you go by what the media have reported on this, Gruden's the one at fault for the whole thing. Right. He had his career destroyed. Yeah. Okay. He had his, his contract wiped out. He got fired um, with or without cause. That's going to be another lawsuit that they're going to have to deal with. Yep. And don't think for a second that Gruden appreciates this a whole lot either. All of these things paint the NFL in an extremely precarious legal situation. Do they want to create more bad blood and have this whole saga with Watson continue? When, to be honest, as weird as this is, this is the one situation the NFL, either way, really didn't do anything. <laughs> they weren't right. the cause of their own problem right. this time. Watson's the one they can shut and move on. The other ones, they can't. Those are still on the horizon. So to be honest, I think they just take what Robinson says and they move on. I think they know it's going to be eight to ten games because I don't think they can justify the year that they want. Well, again, you there's two parts to this. One, they can look at everybody and say, well, we put her in charge. She decided. That's one. So that gets them off the hook. Number two, let's not discount that it's also a woman deciding it. And I think at that point, they go, okay, as for Snyder, you need 24 owners to get rid of him. And like you said, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can come up with 24. I think that the NFL has been amazingly steadfast in their unity with each other. The yeah. Jerry Richardson situation uh, broke a lot of precedent uh, in a very different situation for a lot of different reasons. Yes. This, however, and Dan Snyder has never even come close to suggesting that he is interested in selling the team. Richardson, Not even uh, close. some people said it was kind of a, kind of the point. He, he wanted to move on. It, uh, his family could still run it and or they, they wanted to liquidate and get out of it. It, it was a difficult situation. You look at the ownership situation in Denver. Look how long that took. And that was when the owner died. Right. You know, the, the legal battle to control it was intense. Right. Because Extremely of, expensive. Because of the way he worded his will. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the, the back and forth over the value of owning an NFL team is it, the, the, the value of that team is way above and beyond just the $4 billion that it's worth. It's power, it's control. And the NFL, they are so uh, tightly regimented um, it, 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 in an effort to, I don't want to say protect one another. But they understand the meaning of united we stand, divided we fall. Right. They don't break ranks with each other. They don't discuss those kinds of things openly. They are very, very contained. Schneider, there, there's, if you look at it just logically as a human being, it's really hard to imagine any of them like Daniel Snyder all that much. And Daniel, among the many things that Snyder has committed or is accused of committing, he stole money from them. I mean, I'm not sure how often many of them uh, uh, you mess around with the gate numbers, but th that's what Snyder was doing. It's like, here comes a point. This guy's just a walking liability. I mean, how many problems has he caused the rest of us over the last three years that we know about? You know, what else is there? I can't imagine they want him to continue, but I don't think they're able to get people to take that kind of a stand, to create that kind of a precedent, because maybe they're doing a bunch of other stuff that people don't they don't want other people to know about and Snyder one Snyder can go tell everybody about it I'm sure he's got a tell-all book that, that is waiting for the opportunity to publish and two to create a precedent to that to create the scenario and I remember Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks said this back when uh, Donald Sterling uh, was getting booted from from the NBA do we want to create a situation in which selling the team is a legitimate punishment that will have to be publicly uh, called to do in every situation that people don't like. That's a, you, you can't close that box. And I'm not necessarily sure the NFL would want to do that. They'd like all of this to go away. That's why they find him a, a huge amount of money. I understand that it's probably not a whole lot to Daniel Snyder, but $10 million is $10 million. That That's by far the biggest fine they've given to an owner over you know anything that, that Snyder's associated with, so it, it, you're you're fighting all of these fronts legally, and I think that the Gruden situation mm -hmm. and the Snyder situation are two that they can't control as well right. as they would like. The Watson thing can go away if they they yeah. get exactly to your point uh, the 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 woman uh, of prominence that is mutually hired between them and the union. They made their argument. She made her decision. They can just go with that, and I really right. think that's what they'll end up doing. Right. Yeah, I do. Too. I do too. And again, the power is going to be in the fact that he has not been indicted. All right. Yeah. And and let's face it. I think most people, when they look at the legal system, because you are before a grand jury, uh, they'll tell you that, and, and there's no defense presented that it's quote much easier to get an indictment and the fact that they couldn't is going to be I think back up exactly what you said none of it is enough to reach a higher burden of evidence and the NFL can't provide that they they investigated it themselves they looked into it, it it's it, it's just it's an ugly situation nobody likes it I don't think anybody thinks Deshaun Watson is, is purely innocent of, of any of these things. And his behavior, and we've talked about this before as well, I, find any ex-player speaking anonymously or on the record, they're going to tell you that, that franchise quarterbacks that are made, that have those kinds of contracts, 
do not go trolling for massage therapists on Instagram. Okay, right. they, they do the opposite of that. It's shady in any way you look at this. It's shady. Yeah. At the same time, right. though, there isn't enough there. Yeah. It's from a legal perspective. It's under the category of it's more believable than not. Yes. Right. Yeah. Maybe they should get Ted Wells to write a report. Okay. Uh, that's <laughs> that name still sends chills up my spine. The amount of time and effort. It, oh my God. I interviewed like four hundred people. All over again. I interviewed four hundred people. Just interview the seven or eight that are relevant. Move on. Will you cry? It sinks. We're out there. after the wrong things here. I mean, he was what are we doing? Here? Trying to define physics in this. Like you didn't need this much. It, oh, it was a mess. Right. Was a we, mess. Inter- we interviewed four hundred people. Like, so what? <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, I, I read 20 articles on this, and that's way too much. You know, yeah. you, the, the, the issue in many ways is the NFL, it, I think anyway, just has to stand up sometimes and say, there's not much we can do. We are not a governing right. body. It, exactly. They, this is where the collective bargaining agreement comes into play. Yeah, and the whole point. This has been negotiated with the union. He is a union member. And, you know, thus there are times you look around and say, okay, guess what? We don't have the ability because of this contract to do what you hope we should do. Yep. And it's difficult because you don't want to throw anybody else under the bus. Exactly. Like John Gruden. Right. But at the same time, there comes a point that you kind of have to say, Look, Deshaun Watson's the one that did this, not a right. Yeah. Okay. He go after him. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's it, and I, it's honestly the way I feel about it in this case. Like I said before, it's there aren't many instances in which the NFL is involved with something that they are not culpable for in some right. way. Yeah. I understand that he works there, and and people are outraged and angry, and and I I believe they should be, but I don't know to the extent the employer is mm-hmm. that responsible for it right well, they're trying to do what they can yeah. the way that's collectively bargained and if it if they go with eight games they go with eight games i don't know what the right number is i just know that right. based on the agreement that both sides have, have entered into yep they don't quite have enough to say a year right. but maybe something is warranted and that's up to to, to sue l robinson right. and i think that that's the way that it's going to go and and gruden for example is a member of management not a part of a union yep Snyder, Gruden, Gruden wasn't even in the NFL at that right, point. Exactly, it's it's a Snyder, strategic decision. And Snyder is an owner, and they do have a procedure in place to remove him, but they can't get the twenty-four. So it, it, it's yeah to to open that door. They're not going to want to do that if if they get yeah. compelled to do it from the same legislatures that the NFL is kind of railroaded and getting all these stadiums built, then maybe it's a different story. Once again, this just kind of goes back to the sins of the father. You know, you you can't continue to get away with these things. It's going to catch up with you eventually. I I think with Snyder, it very well could be that the the strong-arming of, for example, the Minnesota State Legislature to get um, uh, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium built in Minneapolis... Right. Um, that happened in uh, Washington, or not Washington, in, in um, New Jersey. It, all of these things, you, you're creating enemies in doing it. And mm-hmm. I think it, that's going to kind of come back to haunt them in situations like this. Dan Snyder, the fact that Dan Snyder is appearing in front of Congress is just unbelievable to me. Yeah. I just, oh man, you've got to just get in line. I mean, 
it, you're you're really destroying a lot of value for everybody who's involved with this. I mean anybody associated with the NFL. Yeah. And to to do it in such a, a reckless and careless way is really astonishing to me, even for the NFL. And it, Snyder has a history of all this stuff. It, if they can't get 24, I, I feel like they're only a vote or two off. They can't be far from it no, because they, no. this is just not working. I mean, he's, he's a liability. I can't put it any better than that. You're not going to advance anywhere with that guy again. This is uh, Donald Sterling under different circumstances. Yep, exactly right. it. Okay. My friend, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, we will probably revisit some of this again next week. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure more will happen between now and then, maybe today. Who knows? But yeah. uh, thanks for having me. You guys have a good day. All right. Neil Kulong. Another. You know, you read between the lines. These are mostly anti-Yankee rants. Um, Astros won it, by the way. You do know it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Alvarez uh, scored the game-winning run, or he was involved in it. He was ranked, by the way, as the American League MVP over Aaron Judge by Jason Stark. I love Jason Stark, but he's got that one wrong. How many times you watch Jordan Alvarez play this year? Every time he's played the Yankees. And he's destroyed them every time. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. <laughs> On News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. It's always great working with uh, people who have just a narrow focus. <laughs> if Jordan Alvarez were a Yankee, and Judge were with the Astros, you'd be telling Jordan Alvarez was the best player in the American League. He should be in the MVP conversation. He's had a great year, and he's killed the Yankees, but Aaron Judge has been is the MVP of the American League this year. The other guy's hitting 24 points higher. But Aaron Judge has the better RBI in all run numbers, and he's had many more clutch hits. More than Giancarlo Stanton. All right, so <laughs> I just the show's too easy. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Um, so let's talk a little hockey here for a moment. Let's bring in Bob Grove. Pittsburgh, Bob, welcome back. Steve, great to be with you. All right. Uh, so a little revamping here, uh, which is which is interesting. He may be 34, but I really like the acquisition of Jeff Petrie. What did you think of that? Yeah, I've got no problem with what Ron Hextall did, you know, this weekend and, and changing around the look of his defense yeah. and getting 22-year-old 20, Ty Smith and Jeff Petrie, who's he's a known quantity. You know, I mean, he's been good for double-digit goals, 40-plus points, each of the last four years in Montreal now, he fell off that production level um, this past season. But let's remember, he was on the worst team in the league. He's also, you know, he's living up there. His family's in the States. Um, it's 
and there was a lot going on with him, um, you know, sort of behind the scenes where he just wasn't comfortable in Montreal and wanted out. I and mean, look, you, you know, Steve, when you lose as much as they did, it's never good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Penguins get him. He's got three years left. He's bigger. Um, he's not afraid to hit people. And he's, like I said, he's a known quantity. He's creative. He can provide you some offense. And, and we'll see, how, you know, how Ty Smith works in coming from the devil. He's only 22. He's still learning the, the pro game. Still learning the pro game, but I feel like Bobby brings some versatility to that defense. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you look at this defense right now, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're all going to be 30-plus by the time you get to uh, next spring in the playoffs, except for Smith and, and uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who the Penguins would, you know, he's a first-round pick in, in 2017, and, you know, they got him a, a couple of years ago from Arizona, in a, um, and, you know, he's never been an NHL regular, but he signed a one-way contract with the Penguins this season. It's now or never for him to show he mm-hmm. can be an everyday NHL player. He's only 23, yeah. so those two guys will give them some mobility, and certainly Ty Smith, I mean, two years ago as a rookie, he led all rookies in the league in points among defense defensive rookies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, I mean, he's smaller, but he really moves the puck well. He skates well. And he had a rough, he had a little bit of a rougher go this time mm-hmm. around. But I think a lot, I think too much, way too much for me has been read into what happened to him this past season. Again, playing on a non-playoff team. Yeah. But, you know, this isn't a, he, for me, he doesn't have to bounce back from last season. Like last season, that's what happens when you, for most young players is you might go okay for a while and then you take a step back. And, um, you know, I, I, he's creative. And I'm, I'm anxious to see what he brings because he's the uh, – the Penguins have nine defensemen, Steve. Yeah. And he's the only one – he's the only one they could send to the American League without clearing waivers. And I, I don't necessarily expect him to end up there. But, I mean – I know from past experience that it, that does become a factor. No question becomes a factor. That's why in baseball, for example, you'll see, gee, why is he on the Worcester shuttle? Well, that's because he they, he can, they can't with that guy. Uh, yeah. And it's the same thing with the AH, AHL and the NHL. Uh, I also think there's another element. You talked about being on non-playoff teams. This is where, to me, the Crosby, Gensel, guys like that, having some – high-caliber firepower brings out the best in some other players, and I think that Ty Smith is in that position where it might bring out the best in him, because it's not going to be as much on his shoulders. Oh, I, I completely agree. I mean, if you look now at their lineup, you've got, we've talked about Petrie, and of course, Latang is back, and we know yeah. that those two guys, and so Latang's numbers speak for himself, he's coming off a career year, so if you're Ty Smith, first thing you're thinking is, you know, when I get that puck up to one of the forwards on this team, yeah, something's more likely to happen than it was in New Jersey last season. Yeah, no question. All right, so uh, what do you think of the, how, how the Malkin thing turned out? Uh, it was very, it was really interesting, and for me, it had Sidney Crosby's fingerprints all over it. I mean, there's been reporting that the week before Sid had flown down to Florida to see Gino um, and, and and talk to him, and I think probably that was before Malkin said, "Look, I'm going to market." And he was obviously very frustrated with the, the pace of things, the offers that he felt he maybe should have had. And then, you know, at the last minute, right before free agency starts, he accepts the offer that was already there. So a little bit of frustration from him. Uh, but, I, I mean, I felt going into um, the free agency day on the 13th 
that it was going to take something crazy to keep him because he seemed absolutely committed to going to market. And look, he would have had interest, Steve. Here's the thing. I don't think anyone would have given him four years. Um, he, he probably got three max, maybe two, mm-hmm. and maybe more money. But, you know, like I said, I think probably Crosby was involved in, in, in getting the parties back together again. And here's the thing about, the, you know, Latang, Malkin, Crosby, these three – they they really have a sense of what their legacy is. Like they think about it, and we saw some of the emotion when Sid played his thousandth game last year, that that really sort of came out of nowhere. Like these three want to go out together and believe their team is better if they stay together. And if you're Ron Hextall, you you have to pay attention to that. Like you got to keep those guys to some degree. You have to be concerned with keeping them happy and productive. And it's not about Malkin's productivity, Steve. If you go back the last five seasons since the Penguins won their last cup, his his regular season production versus Sid's, they're virtually the same. Right. Sid's been a better playoff. He's been a bit better on the playoffs than Gino. But the whole thing with Malkin, it's not about that. It's not about he hasn't done the job. It's about what can we depend on him as far as availability going forward he's been he's 36 he'll be 36 next week he's missing like a dozen games every year in the last two years then of course wrecked by a knee injury part of one part of the other and they're just worried that he's not going to be available because that's been his history the last five or six years he misses at least a dozen games every year can he take care of himself can he stay relatively healthy um that's the concern it's interesting about the three of them wanting to stay together. That's a 60s and 70s mentality in every yeah. in every sport. What is it about these three that, Bob, why they have that mentality that is a throwback? Well, first of all, I think it is really unique. I mean, it's absolutely unique. They've played together for 16 years, and so it's going to be 20 by the time you get, you get to the end of it. So this has never happened in the National Hockey League before three teammates together for that long. It's already a record. Right. And I think, I think they're approaching one of the baseball marks, I believe. This has been done by somebody in baseball a little bit longer. But why do they have that mentality? First of all, I think winning. When you've when you've been when you've won three cups and you've been to four finals together, it means something. But let's remember that you know they're they're right there together in age. You know Malkin is one year older than and Latang and Crosby were taken in the same draft, so they sort of came up together. Like even though Latang was drafted the same season as Crosby, of course he didn't play that year in the mm-hmm. National Hockey League, but he came up the next year when Gino was a rookie, and played briefly. So these three have just been through it all together. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen Latang do it. We've seen Russ do it. We know we've seen Crosby do it. What I'm talking about is leaving money on the table to make it possible to stay together. These three have really hit it off personally over the years, and so they, they want to do everything they can to stay together. It's a really unique situation. You add in the two-year deal for Casey DeSmith. You add in the Brian Russ deal, uh, the draft. What kind of offseason, in your opinion, has Ron Hextall had? Well, for a guy who's trying to give the Penguins a chance to make one more run, he's had an unbelievable season. I mean, if you'd have said back when the, the day after the Penguins got eliminated, most people in Pittsburgh were, look, Rust, Latang, Malkin, no way he can bring them all back. And a lot of people in town didn't want them all back, especially they've been focused on Malkin and, you know, he's lost a step, and right? So they didn't think it was possible to bring them all back. He's not only done that, but he's brought back Ricard Raquel, 
on top of that mm-hmm. and he's added and he's you know he's added some experience on defense and they you know he talked a lot about he felt they needed to get bigger and they've done that so I, I think he's had a really good really good offseason i mean we'll see about owen pickering their first round pick mm-hmm. you know he looks very promising but every first round pick looks promising like weeks after you've made it. Oh, they, oh, it yeah, yeah the, the Pirates drafted yesterday. Pirate fans are beside themselves. You're not going to see him for years. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Exactly. We'll see. Um, which now brings us to Tristan Jari. Yeah. Uh, so he's, I think, what, one year left, Bob, if I recall yeah, correctly? Yeah, that's correct. He has one year left, can be extended this offseason. So how do you how do you see that playing out uh, with him? Because he obviously is the number one guy. I think the Penguins, uh, you know, look, Hextall said he wanted to get through all this stuff before he started thinking about who he can extend because Dumoulin can get an extension and so yeah. can Teddy Bluger. But I think the Penguins are going to extend them. I really do. Um, it's unfortunate for everybody, including obviously Tristan Jari, that he didn't get the chance to respond to the playoff failure the year before. Mm-hmm. He was really good in the season, a little better in the first half than the second half, but taken all in. He had a response to what happened to him in the playoffs. And it was a really positive, good response, and I think the Penguins saw from him what they wanted to see. And we can make the case. It's still true. we got to see him do it in the playoffs, unfortunately. you know That's still true. But I think the Penguins like him. I think they're going to offer him an extension. This may not be an easy one to answer, but the Fenway Group has spent money at Liverpool. The Fenway Group, as we all know over the years, has spent money with the Red Sox. Do you sense there was an influence that helped Ron Hextall to do what he's done in the offseason? Absolutely. They demand that that you're... you're running. You're running a team that has a chance to win. That's how they operate. Yes. I mean, and look, they're they're realists. They know that. You, I mean, look at you know some of the Sox teams haven't been that great. Right. But you know, but they're so they're realists, and they know it's crazy to think it's going to happen every year. But they don't have a cap in baseball to worry about, and here they do. But there's absolutely pressure and expectation from them that you've got these guys who are going to the Hall of Fame, and you're not you're not tearing it all down while we're here. And, and for sure, that's a factor, and um, that's the, that's that's we've talked about this before. That's Hexball's challenge. Is you know every time you do this, Steve, that the bottom is going to fall out at some point. We all know that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Look at the Red Wings. Look at the it, it, okay. That's the cycle of yeah. sports. That's what happens. And yes, the Penguins, if they get to the playoffs this season, will have a dozen guys who are thirty or older. That's all true. And someday it's, it might get ugly, and that's what Hexall's trying to prevent. But I've always maintained that as long as you have Crosby, you have a chance. And, and even yeah. even at 35, and I will tell people too, Steve, Tampa, you know, two years ago when they won the Cup, they had 10 guys who were 30 mm-hmm. or older. And the year before when they won the first of those back-to-backs, they had 11 guys who were 30 or older. So mm-hmm. it can be done, but it's quite difficult. There's also been another factor that has entered into this. Uh, it's the factor of time. When the pandemic came up, of course, to finish the season, they they went up to Canada, played in Toronto, played in Edmonton, and it yep. ended in, what, September, I think it ended in September. Yep. Right, And then, boom, quick turnaround, boom, and played the season. This year, they had, you know the Olympics were built in. And the finish was later for everybody. But during that period of time where they were supposed to be at the Olympics, they made up games because of COVID. What right. what can it mean 
for the Penguins in the age factor you talked about, then now for the first time in a while, there's going to be a more normal rest cycle before this begins. I think it's important, especially for these guys we're talking about who are, who are in their late 30s. I mean, they no matter how well they, they try and train, the hockey players are really creatures of habit. In the last few years, and that's why I give Tampa credit for winning in the bubble, mm-hmm. it, everybody's like, well, you know, you didn't play a full season and you had this thing going on in the bubble. But, but it was hard. It was really hard for players to do that. And so it's, it's big for the Penguins to have basically six months off right now to get ready for next season and for Malkin to be able to train especially because you know last summer he couldn't train the way he normally did obviously he missed the whole first half of the season so uh, I think it's big for them to have a normal kind of season and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they uh, maybe sometimes they they will help themselves with that and maybe you got three and four back-to-back games maybe you give some guys a a day off here or there it's interesting I always love the well you, you know you didn't do this, or this wasn't quite. That's always from th- not thirty thousand, fifty thousand feet, right? Put a line through it. You didn't live it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always amazing when you don't have to live it. You can make all the comments you want. Right. No. It's it's look. It's it's very difficult to get to um, to get to the top of the best league in the world, it's, and uh, that's why I have so much respect for what Tampa was able yeah, to do. And my God, nearly do it three years in a row. Are you kidding me? Just tremendous. And they'll be back. I mean, they're going to be a factor this coming season. They will be. No, uh, they will that's be. How, yeah, I, I I agree. Not only that, but they had to go through the expansion draft and lose guys. Through those, right. You know, things. There's a lot of factors that enter into something for a team that won 11 consecutive. Stanley Cup series. Browns. Yep. Yeah, it was it was amazing to see. And so it's doable. And like I said, they were largely a veteran team. You know, the, the only thing about this with the Penguins is you know, they got the band back together, you know, and Sid's got 3 years left and Latang has now 6 years to go and Malkin has 4, but trust me, if they're going to make another run, Steve, it's not going to be 4 years from now. No. It's going to be it's either next season or the season after. That's what I realistically look at and say, I think this is what's real is it's got to sort of be now or never one of the next couple seasons. Or after that, I just don't think it's 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 almost impossible. Bob, it's always great talking hockey in July. I do, it, really, it, is. it is. I love it. <laughs> Bob, thanks so much. Appreciate you, my friend. All right, Steve. Thanks for having me. Bob Grove. Yeah, Bob, uh, always great to have him on the show. Um, I think he said Aaron Judge was going to be a penguin. But, uh, no, senor! No, senor! No, senor! He's not playing in the Bronx. All right. Uh, John Crispin with us tomorrow. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory trained techs take care of 
of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair.